of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be gathered once again into your presence. Lord, we know that since we gathered together on Thursday that you've been with us. And through these few services, we could look back and see that you had already been preparing us for this time. Even if we just went back to Wednesday night service and how you spoke to us and then begin to see the very things that were said and done over the last while that you've brought to our remembrance and dealt with specifically. There's no doubt in our minds that you're with us, that you're mindful of us. Lord, we realize that you're doing something very special. As has been expressed by Brother Michael, behold, I do a new thing. Lord, I believe that you've done something very different and new for these young people. We believe that every generation has a chance at the word. And it's so beautiful to see the chance you're giving these young people. And we pray that they would fully embrace the revival. That they would not run from it. That they would not resist it. But may they just welcome their revival. And may you do a, do a, continue this work which you have begun well before this camp, Lord. But you've continued in such a supernatural way. And we desire to see it go forward. And I commit these young people to you that you would give them a ready mind, that they would not be distracted by anything to come or anything in the past, nothing even present, Lord, but they would just focus upon the word tonight. Uh, we're weary in our bodies to some degree, Lord, and there's been such a, a, a spiritual warfare taking place, Father, so there's some fatigue, but we just yield ourselves to you, take, asking that you take control of this service for your glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And while you're standing, I'd like to read from Proverbs chapter 23. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7. We had read from here uh, the other night. I'd just like to do so again. And you just forgive me if we just jump right into the word. We want to allow it to have the preeminence. <clears throat> We've been ministering on who are you. We've had different subtitles. Uh, tonight, I want to uh, say, use the subtitle, Your Right Mind. Your right mind. And as the scripture says here, we can draw it from this. For as he thinketh in his heart, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. For as a man thinks in his heart, what his thoughts are in his heart or in his mind, that's who he is. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You may be seated. I'm going to ask that you just get behind the word of the Lord to whatever extent that you're able to and really pull on the word and to do so for yourself. Um, if you have a desire to see God touch somebody else, certainly do that as well. But let's just let the Lord have his way in this service and let him be glorified. I'm just going to pick up where we left off this morning. Maybe in some ways I might just be re-preaching what has already been preached with just another layer on top of it. And um, I feel sometimes when I minister, I don't cover a lot of ground. I just drill real, uh, real deep where I'm standing. And so it may not seem like we've covered a lot of distance. We may be covering some of the th- same themes, but it's just what the Lord's wanted. And uh, we're looking at this morning how your emotions are a part of who you are. And I'd like to emphasize this. It's a part of how God made you. Um, the, the outward expression of our emotions is our response or our reaction of the spirit or how we might respond in a particular moment to certain stimulus. But it's the inward way that God has made you and our emotions. Many times God has made us that way and he wants to use them. So he wants to bring our emotions under subjection. God will never manipulate your emotions. God will bring them under subjection. 
and um, the the presence of negative emotions as we expressed them this morning are are not necessarily in themselves a bad thing but we must bring any emotion that is negative or any emotion that is not pleasing it must be subject to faith must be subject to the word and we're looking at a lot of different aspects of our emotions and we saw that you cannot disregard them you can't just say, well, I feel this way, I feel that way, and then just say, well, forget about them, don't think about them, just forget, uh, push them aside, because that's not what the Word does. The Word will actually begin to deal with our emotions first before we actually come to the root of the problem or before we can actually receive ultimately what God would have for us. So we don't dismiss our emotions because God wants to heal them. God wants to correct them, and God wants to use them, and God does use them. And as we looked at it this morning... The word is the answer to any problem. Uh, if I draw from academic sources, if I speak about our psychology, if there's a way that we can approach even the way that you uh, think naturally, uh, it's not to suggest that there's a solution out there other than the word of God. The word is the answer. And I believe that Christ is always enough. Regardless of what your situation is, we know the word is all that we need. And you may believe that in your heart or a part of you may accept that and believe that the word is the answer. But sometimes it's a, it's a matter of knowing the question. We can say we know the solution, but what's the problem? And that's where we were drawing from this morning. And so I want to put it in this context tonight. If the elect, only the elect can be born again and only the elect can be quickened. It begs the question many times, what keeps the elect from being quickened? Because if you really want it, you can have it. So what hinders? And then it could be asked, be asked this way um, so that we all kind of are drawn into this now and none of us are going to be left out. What keeps the quickened from progressing? So if you haven't been quickened, then you need to be quickened. And if you have been quickened, you need to be progressing. And so sometimes we haven't been quickened because something's in the way. And sometimes the quickened aren't progressing because something's in the way. And what I'm going to uh, take time to go through this evening is in one way, if I could put it this way, just open up the dynamics of what takes place in every service. And so that what we're looking at is uh, perhaps the process of how the word works in our lives and how it comes to us, what it deals with and what it accomplishes. And I believe that tonight, if you could just take what God's speaking you to, to tonight, it will equip you for whatever you may face in the future. And that it'll give you some understanding in how to relate with the word of God as any time that a minister stands behind the pulpit beginning tomorrow morning or as we preach tonight or Wednesday night and going forward with the wonderful ministry that you have in this church. This tremendous uh, lineup as my son was talking about a great rotation I think is the word that he used. And, um, and you'll be able to realize every time I come into a service, this is what the word is trying to do. This is how the word's going to work in my heart. And I believe that it'll equip you. Because we're not engaged, camps are not a sprint where we begin and what we're trying to do is cross the finish line in a camp. And, um, and, and because we realize it's just a part of an overall process that God is putting his bride through. That the climax is going to be a change of our body. That it's going to be a meeting in the air. And so we don't look at a camp meeting as being where it's just we're going to finish everything up, wrap everything up, and everything's going to be buttoned up. Everything's going to be explained. But we want to, it all works together. The services here, the services, um, the devotions that family have in their homes, the services in the in your home church away from camp. Uh, they're all working together. And so don't look at what we're trying to do in a camp meeting is we're going to try to hit the finish line and finish everything. But I will say this. If tonight's your night, don't miss it. 
God's wanting to bring something to a, a conclusion or God wanting to co- accomplish something in your life, certainly don't miss it. But we will be going through um, a subject matter that kind of opens up what takes place in every church service when the word is preached. And if you have a need in your heart, from the from the uh, the platform to the very back, for young or old campers, counselors, anybody who's here who's old enough to understand what I'm saying, who's able to hear it, if you have a need or a desire, you put that before the Lord as I minister. Because the, the original way of receiving anything from God is by the preaching of the word. And so we're original. And we want to receive it the original way. And you put that before the Lord and pull on the word for that need as we um, go deeper in the word. Now, I want to read a statement from the message, Dr. Moses. I believe you're all really familiar with this statement, but I'll start here. And it's really just picking up where we were this morning. He says, you might just run through this prayer line, run through another prayer line, touch this one, touch that one. But the Bantam says in one place that doing that will actually weaken your faith. And so there's a danger in always just going through prayer lines without knowing what God's wanting to do, not knowing how what the word is accept, expecting of you. He says you go through this line, you go through that line, it only weakens your faith each time. So he says until you get down and prove to God you're sincere, burn the bridges behind you and say, here I am, Lord, something's going to take place then. And he says the same thing about the Holy Spirit. You say I've been seeking for the Holy Ghost for years. He says I'm not scolding you. You are either mistaught or something's wrong or you don't understand. So somebody has been seeking the Holy Ghost for years and they haven't received it. He says, I don't want to do this in a way that you feel like I'm scolding you, but you either have received wrong teaching. You don't understand correct teaching or there's something wrong somewhere because it continues. God is under obligation to his word. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the scripture just as clear as I know how to read it. If you repented and are baptized, then God's under obligation. If your faith is right towards God to give you the Holy Ghost the minute that you obey his word. So he's bringing us right to scripture. And when he says, if your faith is right towards God, now he's not trying to bring you into the realm to where it's like what happens when you go to apply for a loan. If you don't need the money, we'll give it to you. And it's a be, why well, I, I need the money. And well, the, your, your, you, your financials tell us that you do, so we can't give it to you. God's not asking you to have something so he can give you the something that you need. He just says, if your faith is right. So it's a, it's, it's an approach that's in your heart or in your mind. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's talking about the mental state of a person as they approach God. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. So you haven't necessarily received yet, but yet there's something that you're believing with and something that you're thinking as you approach him. He says God's under obligation if your faith is right towards God to give you the Holy Ghost the minute that you obey his word. Believe that God will vindicate it to you. If your heart is really right before God and you're taught right and believe in it and walk up there with the assurance something's going to happen because God's more willing to give you the Holy Ghost than you are willing to accept it. Now, it means you must be willing. The scripture says it's not him that willeth or him that runneth, but God. But yet you still there must be a will. Because God is, he's a gentleman. He's not going to impose himself upon you. And so God's more willing to give you the Holy Ghost than you are willing to accept it. So you must be willing. 
the least desire for God. And you must, and you have that desire for God and you're taught right. And so you understand um, what the Holy Ghost, that the, the, there's a promise of the Holy Ghost that God wants to give it to you. So he's saying if your heart's right, if your faith is right, if you understand correctly, and he's referring to things that may be wrong. And we could, we could, maybe we could have showed slides and we could have divided it a particular way to you. But as I read through that, notice the emphasis that there is before the birth takes place. So God's under obligation. Something's going to happen. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost the minute you obey his word. But he's dealing with things prior to the seal of God. And he's talking about a right heart, a right faith, and a right mind. So he says, if you are, I'm not scolding you, either mistaught, which would have something to do with your understanding or something that you're believing. He says, or there's, you don't understand. So again, that's in the realm of thinking. He said, or something's wrong. He says, something's wrong. And we can ask, then where? If God's under obligation, so we're exploring how that the word wants to come and God wants to give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we need. We need that from God. But there's a way, there's things that stand in the way and keep us from receiving it. And Brother Bram's exploring that, that it has to do with even our very mind and how that it relates with the word. In Acts chapter 2, we could uh, read it, but you know, uh, just even the, the sermon that Peter is preaching and he's preaching on the day of Pentecost and he's saying, look, brothers, you have crucified Jesus Christ and, and you have um, you have taken these things and he's, he's bringing it. This prophecy is being fulfilled and scripture is being fulfilled. This is that which was prophesied. And he comes to verse 36. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So now Peter has preached the first sermon and he's preached on the day of Pentecost. And it says in verse 37, now when they heard this, so it was something that they heard. And now there's a response to what they heard. They were pricked in their heart. And so pricked, it means that they they were pained in their mind. They were agitated. It's used of the emotion of sorrow. So when Peter was preaching, it actually provoked an emotional response within them. That's what's taking place. The first sermon ever preached, the Bible tells us the first thing that responds is that the men were pricked in their heart, their thoughts, their desires, their affections, their purposes were somehow pricked and moved. And now they feel this, there's something turning in the heart. And so the preaching of the word first pricked them in their minds and in their thinking. When they heard this, they were pricked, they were agitated, they were brought to an emotion and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So when the word was preached, the first thing that was stirred was the heart. When the word was preached, the first thing that was affected was their mind. And it actually provoked a response in their mind to the word. And they felt a responsibility. They felt compelled to act because they didn't say, whoa, that's heavy. They said, what should we do? And so the preaching of the word first dealt with them in the realm of their mind. And they felt a guilt and they felt an accountability. And the word had the desired effect upon them. And they had the right response, pricked in their heart and said, what should we do? And Peter then, in response to that, said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the original Pentecostal experience. Not speaking in tongues, not shouting, not dancing, not running around. The original Pentecostal experience is to be born again by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So he says, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise. 
The divine promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so this is a divine promise to you that if you repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Not just a temporary feeling upon your senses, not just an outward expression, but you shall receive the Holy Ghost itself, which is eternal life, indwelling inside of you as a permanent possession. It is a divine promise. And I believe, I believe so strongly in it that it's the same today as it's ever been. That if any one of you feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to repent and be baptized, if no one else will do it, God help me, I'll baptize you in that cold water out there. If there's a baptismal somewhere, I'll rejoice. But you should do it without delay. Because the prescription for water baptism is by immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ immediately. Immediately in his name by immersion. That's the prescription. And if you have the right uh, mind towards the word of God, it says God's under obligation the very minute that you meet these requirements to give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so as Brother Branham refers to it there in Dr. Moses, as Peter is preaching and we see the first time that the preaching of the word has the impact on sinners, we realize that the condition of the heart matters. The state of mind, the emotional state of the hearer matters in terms of receiving the divine promise. There's many examples we could give. Brother Adam actually says that where there's a resenting spirit, the Holy Spirit won't reveal anything. So a resentment, which is an emotion, can actually keep the Holy Spirit from revealing things. And you wonder sometimes the minister you resent how you get nothing out of his preaching. And you want to blame him, but you're the one with the resenting heart. And God could be using that man to open up a lot of things in other people's hearts, but you just sit there resenting them. Well, I'll just see if he can say something to move me. Look, I'm tired of my own voice too, so don't resent me. I I feel like it's droning on all week. I'm like, I can't, I can't wait to hear somebody else preach. But he says a resenting spirit will hinder revelation. So just our condition of our minds and our state of mind matters. And the word then was to address our state of mind and our heart. And what it often does very, at the very first is begin to expose things that are hindering you from getting the Holy Ghost or hindering you from going further. And the word wants to uncover those things, wants to identify those things. And we have watched God do that for the first three services. And these are just a couple statements just to show that it that what I'm saying, just to show it through the word in the message. Show us the father. Brother Ram says, I go on record and I say this about the word of God being a seed. If you can take the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God, he will bring it to pass. How many have heard that before? We've heard it over and over again, and it just speaks to your emotions, speaks to your state of mind. If you can take the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God, he'll bring it to pass. If you can get yourself in position to believe that that promise was to you. So it's getting you in position to believe. The right mental attitude towards the divine promise of God is getting yourself in position to believe that that promise is for you. So the word then must get us into that position to believe that the promise is for you. In the message Queen of Sheba, he says God's words are true. I believe the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. If you can look at it in the right way. 
Brother Branham is actually talking about our orientation towards the promise. The right mental attitude. An attitude is a settled behavior that reflects in our feelings. It actually speaks of an attitude. actually speaks of your disposition or your posture. Your attitude is your orientation towards something. And so we're looking at your attitude. He says, if you can get yourself in position, if you can look at it the right way. And so the word of God is preached and it's taking us out of a particular location in moving our changing our attitudes towards something so that we have the right orientation towards the promise in order to receive the promise. And so if you can understand that sometimes the word is just moving in you to a position to receive the promise, then you don't want to stop once he gets you in that position. Like, oh, good. He moved me. No, he was just doing it as an increment. To change your attitude towards something. To get you in position to believe that that promise is for you. To get you to look at it the right way. And so attitude matters. Attitude is very important. So your attitude is your orientation towards something. And let me say this about a believer. You can, your attitude towards other people is very important. But you never want to adjust your altitude in order to change your attitude. An altitude, as a, um, if you're a pilot, and I don't know if we have any pilots here, but there's a measurement of, of your altitude, which is your position, and then your attitude, which is your orientation to the natural horizon. And we should never adjust our position in Christ as the elect and as the bride in order to change our attitude towards other people. But once you recognize your position, you can have the right attitude. And but the Bible and the scripture and uh, it is particular, the message of the hours, Brother Brandon will take us through certain things, shows us that our attitude is important. One particular example is Brother Branham talks about how a barren woman, a woman who's not able to conceive, and he talks about how that if she adopts a baby, then in certain instances, then she's able to conceive. And he says it sets her body into the right emotion. So here's a woman who's unable to conceive, and whether it be physical or mental or whatever it might be, when she adopts the child, that does something to her where it sets her body into the right emotion. And after her body's in the right emotion, she's able to conceive and bring forth a child. He talks about it's a strain of wondering. He talks about a scare. He says, but it puts her in the right attitude. Now, when I when I read that, what's wonderful about it, maybe there's even a sister who's listening to this, who's been unable to conceive. And she actually thought, well, perhaps maybe we should adopt because Brother Branham said when you adopt, then 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 sometimes conception takes place. But what it was was just merely putting her body in the right emotion to receive. And it can take adoption or it can just take you believing that the promise is for you. It's a matter of having the right emotion. It's a matter of having the right attitude. Because the adoption didn't do anything physically. But what it did is it put her in the right frame of mind to receive the promise. And our minds stand there as a barrier, as a gateway to reject the word, to accept the word. Our minds, our spirit, our emotions. He says your attitude, your the, the way you're looking at it, the way that your position, it can either reject the word or it can actually filter the word. And our emotions can become the lens by which we look at the word. And so something's preached, so we filter through an emotion. And so it's not actually arriving pure. We filter it through our emotions. And if the heart's not right, you'll never be born again. And it doesn't mean your heart has to be born again to be born again. 
But if your heart's not right, if the attitude, if the emotions, if your feelings aren't right, then you cannot be born again. If your attitude's right, you cannot grow from the birth. You cannot become spiritually mature if the heart is not right, if the emotions are not set right. Because your emotions must be set on the word, by the word, or they hinder the effect of the word. So it's the right attitude. We're looking at the right attitude, the right mind. It's the way you have to be looking at the word the right way for it to be effective. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So sorrow by God's word brings repentance without, with no regret. You don't need to regret your repenting. In this case, sorrow by God's word brings repentance that doesn't itself need to be repented of, that doesn't need to be regretted, that leads to salvation. So there's a godly sorrow and there's a worldly sorrow. The godly sorrow is a sorrow which is not merely a remorse or regret. Well, I shouldn't have done that. It's a sorrow that's not selfish, but it's an acknowledgement of a wrong. It's acknowledgement that you shouldn't have done it, not just, oops, I got caught. But a worldly sorrow is a sorrow that arises from considering worldly things. And considering the ramifications or something or has selfish motives where there's perhaps a regret of the consequences. Sorrow itself is not repentance. But if it's godly, it contributes and leads to repentance. So that's an emotion where God itself, the word itself, sorrow, which is godly, contributes and leads to repentance. Repentance being a change of mind or a change of direction. For at one time you're looking at something and repentance is to start looking at something else or to look at the word the right way. So repentance itself, if we had time to look at the very word and to take our time tonight just to uh, um, lay in the word of God about repentance. Repentance itself implies coming to a right mind. But regret just implies an uneasy feeling. Yeah, there's good consequences for that. There's going to be a punishment. But repentance is actually godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. That's God using the word to provoke an emotion that leads you to a place where you're not just merely expressing regret or remorse. And you're not being selfish with it. But you actually change your mind about things. In Matthew 27 verse 3 it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. When he saw that he was condemned, he was stricken with remorse, but it wasn't the word removing him to a right mind because that was evidence in his subsequent behavior. If that was the word moving him to the right mind, then he would have expressed a repentance that would have brought him um, to sanity. But yet we can see here that it wasn't repentance of a godly sort or it wouldn't have resulted in the actions that he took afterwards. So he was just merely when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself. But the right mind, or even if we could say repentance, removes certain hindrances to salvation. It's actually putting the emotions in the right state or bypassing the emotional states that oppose it. Certain feelings start rising up, rising up. Then repentance just comes and says, I'm sorry. I'm changing my mind. And I would express this to you. Don't ever stop at sorrow. If the word of God deals with your heart and you begin to feel the sorrow, even this week, if you begin to experience uh, this feeling come up inside and says, yes, this desire is greater. And you begin to experience a remorse or a sorrow, not merely remorse, but a repentance, a godly sorrow for the things that you've done. Then don't stop at the sorrow. Ask, what shall I do? What's next for me, Lord? What's the next thing for me to do? Many people have hit these very doors just with the feeling of sorrow and feeling satisfied in themselves that they could come to a place of repentance. But that's not enough because God has more. 
if God didn't have more, that would be enough. But God has more, so you don't want to stop merely at a godly sorrow. But you realize it leads to repentance, and repentance leading to salvation. In the message, God keeps his word. Brother Branham says, this is after the word is preached. Just beautiful. Now notice these dynamics. I'm just going to read a number of statements to you tonight to understand the dynamics of the word of God. He, and he says, and in the great unseen world that is now around us, stirring our emotions to repentance. So this is how Brother Branham describes what the preaching of the word did. A super, in a supernatural realm, it's stirring our emotions. We say, oh no, 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 no. Stirring our emotions is wrong. If it's God doing it, and God pointing it to the word, we're fine with that. And he says, so here in the supernatural realm, it's stirring our emotions to repentance and to bring evil before our eyes that we've done wrong. With penitent hearts. So now, as the word has stirred our emotions to repentance, it's brought certain things before our eyes that we've done wrong. So then we, with repentance in our hearts, with the change of mind, we surrender our evil ways, Lord, and ask for divine mercy. And may the Holy Spirit, who's promised us mercy, give it to each of us as we humbly beg and ask God to fulfill his word and to mold our lives and our character to fit his word. It's a beautiful prayer. It's my desire for you tonight. That you could come to a place where you recognize he's promised you mercy, that he loves you and he'll give it to you. And you can say, God, I beg you tonight or I ask you tonight to fulfill your word. And then for those of us who he's fulfilling his word in, we want you to mold our lives and our character to fit his word. Brother Branham is speaking in a way to say that the supernatural word stirred our emotions to a a response and to a particular action. The very ministry of Elijah in Malachi 4 says Elijah is to turn the heart. That's the ministry of Elijah. It's to turn the heart. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah uh, repaired the altar of the Lord before the fire fell. That's the ministry, the very ministry of the word, the very ministry of Elijah and the very message of the hour actually contains in it a balm to heal your heart. And that has to happen before the fire can fall. That has to happen before you can see the great things that open up in the message. You have to be born again to see the word before you can see his coming, before you can see the great mysteries unfold in the word of God. You have to first be born again. So the very message of the hour is equipped to repair your heart. After the, and, and, and first Kings 18, after the altar had been torn down and after there had been, uh, after false worship and, and fanaticism and beating upon the altar and all the bleeding and all the shouting and all the carrying on that broke down the altar and you could put yourself right in that story, how much the world has danced upon your emotions, how much you've been torn, how much you've been beaten and the hearts all broken up and then Elijah can come and build back the altar of your heart so that the word can be rightly divided upon it and the fire can fall in the message just once more brother Bram says but when it comes right down to putting what you say you believe into practice and willing to confess the wrong they don't do it it just isn't there they don't have it well that's real conviction and that's what we need Says we've long left that now watch what he begins to say that what we've what when they left that what they came to We've long left that a long time ago and swapped it. Prayer and confession and conviction. We swapped it for emotion, a shaking or a jerking or a jumping up and down. So what we must have is prayer, confession and conviction. 
But what they've substituted is an emotion, a shake, and a jerking, or jumping up and down. Since that's the reason there is no holding tight, because there's nothing there to hold him, them. Until you come upon the basis of God's word. So that's the way that you come. You come on the basis of God's word, of godly sorrow, ready to repent, and make anything right, and do what's right, ready to live right. And we could all witness the emotions of shaking and jerking and jumping up and down. That's what you can actually observe with your eyes. But what must be taking place inwardly is that you're coming upon the basis of God's word with a godly soul, ready to repent, make anything right and do what's right. With an attitude of no matter what it takes. No matter what it takes. Nothing else matters. Well, brother Aaron, does that mean I can't have any other desire? Does that mean I have to be over this? Do I have to get over that? No, it just means you in your heart, you can do just exactly what Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane. I don't want to do it, but if this is your will, do it. He said, if it be so, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let thy will be done. And you don't have to say, well, Lord, nothing else. I mean, I don't like anything else. I'm just kind of blank here. I don't have any emotions. I've gone neutral here. No, that's not what he's saying. You can look at every little desire, every little sin, every little mistake, every little thing you're hiding at home, every little bookmark, every little app, everything you do. You can look at all that and say, you know what? I acknowledge it's there. I repent of it. I'm sorry. What I want is you. What I want, I'm coming on the basis of your word and let the God take care care of the rest but it's your attitude towards it you're taking your eyes off it you're changing your thought process you don't have to run home and house clean all you need is the house cleaner to come and don't swap it so he's referring to your intent he's referring to your motive and objective He's actually in these very these very quotes that we're reading. He's talking about a person's emotions and their thoughts and their feelings as they come before the Lord. And he's bringing it into the right balance. Listen, young people, don't settle for just a good feeling. Because the preaching of the word can bring a good feeling. And many of you after the services might feel good. But don't substitute the good feeling for what God wants to give you. He says in the message, God keeps his word. Number two, he says, now just a moment, everyone reverent, don't move, stand still, pray with all your heart. Now, don't be emotionally, he says, have faith. Your emotions will never build. It's, it's, and he, he kind of cuts it off and he says, it'll build a material intellectual faith, but it'll never build a faith in your heart says, let that word sink down. Just believe God. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. So your emotions cannot build faith in your heart. But it'll build something. It'll build a material intellectual faith. To where perhaps if you have an emotional outburst, what you want to do is put your finger on the outward expression as the sign that something happened. When God wants a bride that will just believe him, absolutely believe him. That's what he wants. He wants a bride that will take him at his word. You're a Gentile bride. And he wants you to be a bride that says, he said it, I believe it. Absent anything physical, absent anything material, absent any evidence or proof, you just take God at his word. That's what he wants you to do. And so the trick is to try to give you something material and evidence or some shouting or some move. And then you put your finger on that. Brother Brad says, that's an intellectual faith. That's a material faith. 
And it's amazing that this kind of preaching is called intellectual. That it's the ones who have all the sensations and all the emotions and all the dancing and all the shouting. They call themselves spiritual. And Brother Bram says, no, that's intellectual. Because all the emotions can't build faith. He says, let the words sink down. Just believe God. If you can believe, all things are possible. Brother Brown makes this statement in one place. Form yourself the right objective and the right attitude. That's what God has given you the opportunity to do in these services. To actually form yourself into the right objective and the right attitude. And the message, do you now believe? Brother Branham said, he's in this conversation. He says, sister, do you remember me? And she was trying to open her eyes. She said, who is it? And I said, Brother Branham. And she started crying, tears washing, swollen face, a young woman about 22. And she said, oh, Brother Branham, shake my hand, shake my hand. I said, now don't just be hysterically, sister dear. And I took hold of her hand and I said, I come to have prayer. She said, oh, and I said, now be quiet, be quiet. Don't get all emotional. There's a, he was trying to calm her down. Why? Because emotions can build the wrong kind of faith. It's getting, uh, uh, there's things getting out in front of her, things that are going forward that she needs to kind of wait. She's getting her heart before the course. I said, no, no, bring your emotions back. Come back in line. Just be quiet. He says, don't get all emotional. Wait till God heals you and then get emotional. Your pastor said something maybe two or three decades ago, a couple decades ago that I've never forgotten. True worship is connected with the fulfillment of the word of God. So you don't want to get emotional to induce God to fulfill his word. That's what Pentecost does. You ever been in a Pentecostal church? They just be standing around talking about golf, talking about President Trump. Did you hear his, did you do this? They're all just sitting around talking. And all of a sudden a guy gets up there and goes, doop, 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 bangs on the, uh, the microphone and everybody just stops what they're doing and starts going, and they just turn it on. And it became a revelation to me. They're shouting trying to find God. They're trying to work something up. But we shout because God found us. We can worship because God's bringing his word to pass. We Listen, when that seventh seal opens, everything's worship. And all seven seals are open to those who can receive it. And I'm a person that can receive it. So real worship is connected with the fulfilling of the word of God. But he says, wait until God heals you, till God brings his word to pass. And then it's all right to get emotional. But don't try to get emotional to get healed. Don't try to get emotional to get the Holy Ghost. When God gives you the Holy Ghost, then let him get emotional. A birth's a mess. But don't get messy to get born again. Let it happen. And he makes this statement. This is very, very profound here. So I said, come solid, sanely, and listen to me now. Here's a woman that needs healing, and he said, come sanely, come solidly. And the message presuming, he said, the human soul cries out for something. It knows that there's something that brought it here. They know that there's something that's beyond here. They know that they come from out of the night, and they go back into the night. And they want to know where they come from and where they're going. It says, now if their hunger is in there, and you've confessed it's there. Yeah. And you know God has spoken to you in a way where you can't deny that he's speaking to you. So he says, if that hunger's there, 
You can never get it by blighting your mind. Now listen to what he says, blacking it out. He says, you know, I heard someone was in a meeting here some time ago, said, just let your mind go blank. Just look right straight up towards the skies. Let your mind go blank. You'll get an experience. And he says, no about what you do. He said, that's right. But you get an experience. But what an experience. You see, when you do that, you just open your soul to Satan. He'll give you something that's true. But I think a person coming to Christ should come with all the intelligence they got and quoting in their mind when they come to him every promise in the scripture. So it's not going blank. It's not just opening yourself up to whatever. But it's actually coming on the basis of God's word with a godly sorrow, with the promise in mind, with something that you want God to do. You're actually taking the word before God and saying, God, I want you to prove your word. And God likes that. He says, you don't just blind your mind. Come with all the intelligence they got quoting their mind when they come to him. Every promise in the scripture. Keep your mind alert when you come to Christ. It's the right mind. Keep your mind alert when you come to Christ. Don't let it go blank. How many blank minds have we had at the altar? The devil will make you do anything. They will give you a sensation. He can do that too. But you want an experience, something that the Bible teaches, something that's real. You don't want just a blank mind. It's not, well, let's just get all our emotions out of the way and just be, but actually your, your, your emotions and everything being lined up, not just blighted, not just blanked. He said, come solid, sanely. Keep your mind alert. Come with all the intelligence you have, quoting in your mind the word as you come to him. Here's a few statements very quickly. You've got to come first, sanely, soundly, in God's provided way of approach to him. In another place, Father, they've come sanely, moving up, not emotionally, just come soberly. It says in this, now you just grab onto this, young people. I believe God's fixing to do something great. But now we got to approach it sanely, intelligently, and right in the word of God. Notice how the word is speaking right to your mind, right to your emotions. And what the word wants to do in any situation that the word is being presented to you, it wants to change your attitude. It wants to correct your thoughts. And it wants to align your emotions with the word of God so that they don't get in the way of faith. It's changing your attitude where everything begins to align itself. So when Brother Brown said about the person, he says, oh, I don't have cancer. He says, you got cancer. You got cancer and you're going to die. So the right mental attitude isn't always just denying, 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 denying. Because then you never deal with the problem. Yeah, I don't believe I've got a problem smoking. Don't have a problem. That That's not faith. That's trying to do like some kind of mind over matter. That's just denial. But it's actually to have this kind of attitude that I believe I'm sick, but I believe God's my healer. The, the lie isn't the symptoms. The lie is the diagnosis based upon the symptoms. You've got these symptoms, therefore this is your condition, therefore this is what's going to happen. But a, a, a faith is say, I know I've got it, but I believe God's my healer. I believe God can do this. I believe God can do that. But this, this, this. And you say, I take God at his word. I believe. 
And so the word wants to align our faith and our emotions and our and our attitudes and line it up with our faith. And it's the power of God that puts you in your right mind. Even before you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the statements that we're reading here in the word of God, the things that we could look at in the scripture are actually putting you in the right position to believe that all things are possible. Actually putting you in the position to make the right confession, putting you in position to do your part. That's what the word is doing. Now, do you believe God's been speaking to your heart? There is a, been just as it's the darkest before dawn, what God's been doing, Satan's been fighting against every step of the way. And as wonderful as the atmosphere has been, and as wonderful as God has been moving, Satan has been agitated, and he's been very upset. He thought he was the only one that would speak honestly with you and tell you things. But God's come right along and says, no, you're lying to him. And he's spoken to you. And it's the word of God trying to bring you to a place where you can make the right decision. Now listen to these statements. I just have a few statements to read to you before I close. Brother Branham says in the message life. He says what we call life now is only a shadow or a negative. We all like to rejoice. But we can rejoice over the right thing. That shows how we're hooked up with the real thing when we rejoice over the right thing. But when we rejoice over the wrong thing, it shows we're hooked up with the wrong thing. So he's talking about our emotions and how we feel and what we're connected to and what we're tied to. So our life can tell right now what we are, which way our emotions are running. So again, your emotions tell what you are. He says, do you see it? If we're rejoicing over the world and evil things... And our minds and our souls are inspired by below. He says, boogie woogie dances, heartaches, drinkings, all these other things that we run after. It's from below. So you can see in your lives certain things maybe you've been running after, things that you've been enjoying, things that you've been desiring. He says it shows that there's been an inspiration from, from the world. He says, but if we rejoice in the spirit that we have eternal life and we raise our emotions to God and praise him, then we have joy. Then we have joy. He repeats it. Jesus said that your joys might be full. Oh, you're just kind of describing the transition from uh, um, someone who hasn't been converted to converted. How the influence of the world brings them into an emotional state. But then once you're born again, the influence of the world can bring you into a different emotional state. Now, I want to emphasize this following part because he's going to start walking through these next several paragraphs in this message life. How that God works in our hearts. He says... That your joys might be full, but not full of the perverted life, but full of eternal life above. So you can you can see it depends on what you look at. Now, just for instance, for the psychology part of it, the psychiatric. Now, let's notice just a moment this psychic view. Here's the picture of Christ and here's an electric fan. So you maybe just imagine that in your mind that Brother Bram's pointing to a picture of Christ and an electric fan. He says... It depends on which one I look at, see? If my emotion is moved this way or emotions is moved that way. If I look at that and I long for that and desire that, my emotions is set towards the fan. But if I look this way, my emotion and my desire is set that way. Now be patient with Brother Branham as he breaks this down. So you have the world and you have Christ. 
And if you're looking at the world, then your emotions are set towards the world and my desires are set that way. But if you're looking at Christ, then your emotions are set towards Christ. He said that the reason Jesus said, whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. See, it's where your emotions are set, where your thoughts are. Now stay with Brother Branham, because this isn't an indictment of whether or not or diagnosing whether or not you have the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the dynamics of what you're looking at is going to and where your emotions are set to and what you're looking at, how that influences you. It's where your emotions are set, where your thoughts is. And then we can rejoice on because that we're the children of the promise on the great eternal church of God whose Christ's own uh, promise can't fail. That's right. The world thinks we're crazy. Oh, this life, whoopee. I am this day to see a young lady who went to a psychiatrist. Now he begins to tell the story. So the world is like, oh, this is life, whoopee. So the world has a life, whoopee. Then the, the believer has a life. And here it is with the, our emotions are set on Christ. He says, I'm going to see a young lady who went to a psychiatrist. She's 35 years old, never smoked, never drank in a whole life. A very fine girl. That could be descriptive of a lot of young ladies here. He says her people are Christians. Her father is a doctor. And she gave her life to Christ in an early stage. What did she do? She goes out. And she finally gets to a place, to a college, where she was teaching. And a psychiatrist there set her down to talk to her. And he said, you mean that you've never been kissed by a boy? She said, not one time in all my life. You mean you've never had a little drink or been in a party? Never. He said, girl, you don't know what you're missing. Now, are you following me? The young people can answer that question too. If I ask a question, feel free to answer. It says, him being a psychiatrist, he swung the girl's mind. Until now she's become so evil and so bad, till she don't even want to hear the name of Jesus spoke in her presence. And even her father and mother can't see her no more. And she's lost her mind. And this next week will go to the institution for shock treatment. And do you notice what happened? She was raised right. She lived a holy life. She'd abstained from many different things. And now she sits down with the, with the professor, with the psychiatrist, and he begins to talk to her. And by asking her questions and presenting things to her, he actually says what literally happened is her mind swung. He says it's because that she turned her thoughts from Christ unto what the psychiatrist was a moving her mind. Now, he says, he prefaces this by, let's look at the psychology part of it, the psychiatric. And he gives a demonstration of how that you could stand here looking at a fan or looking at Christ, looking at a fan or looking to Christ. And then he brings a real world example where a girl at one time was looking at Christ, but then a psychiatrist comes and swings her mind. Now, what he's about to say next is very, very profound. Listen, he says, and that's what we are here for. Is to move your mind and your thinking from the things of the world. What he's not going to do is just bypass all that and do something to you unconsciously. Like hypnotize you and then go and do heart surgery. And then when you wake up, oh, what happened? But you've got to come soberly. You've got to come intelligently. You've got to come in your right mind. 
So he says, and that's what we're here for this morning. Now, this is, this is very, very profound because he says the psychiatrist threw her mind from Christ to the world and that's wrong. But now a man of God preaching the word wants to swing your mind back to Christ and that's right. But when a man stands behind the pulpit and swings your mind to himself, to his own ministry, to some kind of fanaticism or something contrary to the word or some other interpretation, that's no different than the psychiatrist. But God will actually use preaching of the word to swing your mind back to Christ. And listen, the swinging of your mind isn't the end result. It's a process of bringing the result. Because he's got to swing your mind back to put you in the right mind to make the right decision. And we've been to many camps and many church services where our minds are merely swung, but we never came to the promise. Because that's what we're here for is to move your mind and your thinking from the things of the world until the things of God, which are eternal. And that's what preaching is for. Now, he uses the word that might stumble the skeptic or unbeliever, but we understand what he's saying. That's what preaching is for, is to pervert the thinking to a higher and better and to a place where Christ is until you become converted. Then your mind reaches for those things which are above. The preaching of the word is to change your thinking to something higher and better, to a place where Christ is, and then you can be converted. So you can't sit there in the wrong frame of mind and with the wrong frame of mind be converted. You have the word has to first put you in the right frame of mind. That's why camps are very successful. That's why at some camps it's the Saturday night where a lot of stuff happens and it's not by schedule. The reason God, why the power of God can move so tremendously in, in Louisiana at the, uh, the Easter camp they do in Louisiana is because beginning Thursday and Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, the word is just driving things away, driving things back, preparing the ground, preparing the mind. And it's not by schedule. Right. Amen. Some people can do it traditionally, but it's just the effect of the word of God washing the mind and putting young people in the right frame of mind to finally take God at his word. And then you get the results. Because that's what preaching is for, is to get the mind to reach out for things that are above. We're always reaching for things below us. The world is inspiring our natural instincts and fleshly lust are warring against the soul. And then we come on a Thursday to a camp, and we're at Mount Baker Camp, and we're listening to the word on Thursday and Friday and Saturday morning. And it's driving things back and setting our mind right. And it puts us in a place where now, in your right mind, you can say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I want you. And the devil says, what about this? He said, I'm not thinking about that right now. It's me and God right now. And the preaching of the word gets you to think on higher things, better things. And then you can become converted. But how many people thought because their mind began to think differently, they were converted. And they bypassed the promise of a genuine experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When the word, let me say this as we're coming to a close. When the word, when the word puts you in the right, your right mind, focus on Christ. I'm equipping you for every future service. When the preaching of the word puts you in the right frame of mind, at that moment, claim it. We come to church 30 minutes early to prepare ourselves. Why? Because atmosphere matters. Attitude matters. The right mental attitude matters. We're not just coming to church early because...
but it's to put yourself in the right frame of mind. Why do we have a worship service? To put you in the right frame of mind. So that when the preaching of the word comes forth, you can grab a hold of that word. And so as the word is coming forth, it's putting us in the right frame of mind. And at that very moment, when all of a sudden it opens up, that very moment when you realize the Lord's speaking to you, and that promise is to you, and he's dealing with your heart, it's at that moment you say, yes, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. You don't have to wait for a, an altar call. You don't have to wait for some kind of formal laying on the head. At that moment, right there. God, I'm taking you at your word. Brother Brown, many times says you were healed in the line before you got here. Because they took God at his word. They were in the right frame of mind. They believed it was for them. They had gotten in the right position to say, yes, Lord, tonight's my night. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord, that promise is mine. As we were reading this morning from the message testimony about that man, we used Elijah as an example and then the Holy Spirit just wanted to bring this example before you. And he was just dealing so deeply with your hearts. This man stands before Brother Branham. He cursed God. He had arthritis. He had cursed God. Didn't, he was skeptical of religion, critical of religion. He had home troubles, domestic troubles, sexual problems, and had a lot of sorrow in his heart and a lot of pain. And when Brother Branham stands before him, he says, look this way, sir. And then he says it again. I want you just to look. Then he says it again. I want you just to look this way. Three times. And again, he may have been looking right at Brother Branham. But his mind keeps drifting. His mind keeps turning. It's a battle in his mind. He didn't have the Holy Ghost there yet. And, he had, and, and the words to try to get his attention. And he keeps coming back to this. And he says, you've had a lot of sorrows, a lot of troubles. Life hasn't, has been, hasn't been a flower bed of ease for you, has it, brother? You've had a lot of sorrows, a lot of troubles. You're in trouble right now, brother. Isn't that right? And he says, now being that you had had that on tracks, he'd published things critical of the gospel. He says, then look this away. Again, a fourth time. Believe with all your heart. You dearly paid for that, brother. You've had lots of trouble, now nervous. You've had a lot of home troubles, too, don't you? Domestic troubles with your home, isn't that right? Will you believe me as God's servant if it's all right for me to speak what the Lord says? You've had a lot of other troubles, don't you? Sexual troubles, is that right? You listen. And what I mean, nobody but God alone knows better than you, isn't that right? You believe with all your heart now, brother. He says, let me have your hand. He goes, let's bow our heads. And what we're emphasizing this morning is how here was a man who in our minds might have deserved a rebuke. Might have said, you know what, here's my card, let's counsel. Or you don't even need, you don't even need to be up here. We might have thought, yeah, you get him, you get him. Brother Bram's exposing all his problems. And you know what, maybe the instinct that we probably, we're, we're thinking at this moment, this is the moment where Brother Bram's gonna lay his hands on his head and begin to rebuke and curse that devil. You're going to just start screaming and yelling and, and rebuking the demon and getting real emotional. And Brother Bram just takes his hand. He says, let's bow our heads. And his prayer is, may all these troubles clear up like a cloud leaving from before the sun. He says, and all these other troubles, may he be whole, made new and whole again. Amen. Amen. Brother Bram, and he kept telling him, now look this way. Look this way. He was trying to get his mind away from the symptoms, his mind away from his past, his mind away from all the troubles, and put him in his right mind to receive what God had for him. 
And the very thing that Brother Brandon prays for is that the, the troubles would clear up like a cloud leaving from before the sun. And I trust that's what God's been doing for some of you. And that's what God's going to continue to do. And that's what God wants to do. Because Brother Branham said, if you've got the least desire in your heart to receive God. The least desire in your heart to receive God, to receive the Holy Spirit. Let it get in the right atmosphere, the right mood before God. And life will come into you just as sure. And you'll start rising to translation. We're not stopping at the right mood. You don't stop. And, and, and listen, the word will do that with us. And the word has done that for you young people time and time again. Where it brought you to the right mood. And perhaps in the right mood, you felt a little bit of release. You felt a little bit of enthusiasm. You could kind of give vent to some things. And perhaps you worshiped. Perhaps you shouted. Perhaps certain things happened. And it was very dynamic to you. But God doesn't merely want to put you in the right mood. But he wants to put you in the right mood so that life can come into you. So in the moment when you're in your right mind, that's the time to look to the promise. It's at that moment you take God at his word. It's at that moment you can come with all the knowledge that you have, with everything that you've been taught, with everything that you have in you. Say, Lord, I'm taking you at your word right now for my healing. I'm taking you right now for at your word that I can be delivered, that I can be set free, that I can receive the Holy Ghost. We'll ask the musicians to come. Brother Branham in the message Victory Day. Now this is just my last statement here and we'll stop in this. He says a young lady last night in an interview. Please every one of you put yourself in this. Whatever you have need of. Whatever God's trying to accomplish in your heart. Don't miss it tonight. He says a young lady last night in an interview. A minister's daughter. Had some kind of a little love affair and she had lost her mind about it. She had gone a breakdown, very beautiful young woman, about 23 years old. And when she was a little girl, about 12, she was in Elgin and sitting in the meeting, the Holy Spirit went out through the audience and called her who she was and said, you got a murmuring heart. The doctor says you can't live to 15 years old, but thus saith the Lord, you're healed. And she never even felt a heart trouble since. So there's the Lord by discernment. Revealing a physical heart problem and healing the physical heart. And he said, and last night she had a different type of heart trouble. It was a spiritual heart trouble. You don't think the word doesn't want to deal with your heart? You don't think the word has to deal with your heart? He said her lover had run off and married some other woman. Yet she was still in love. And this boy telling that she was that he was in love. Yet with her and some other woman. And yet she was still in love. And, and, and he says she was telling her that he loved her but then was with this other woman. And his father and saying that his father had caused it. I said oh nonsense. He didn't have to marry the other girl. He did it because he failed to have the right kind of love for you. He says but see being all wound up into that. That girl sat there in such a stoop like. She come into an emotional stupor because of a heartache, because of a a relationship. She worked herself into this mental state where Brother Branham said that she had had a breakdown and lost her mind. And he's calling it a heart trouble, spiritual heart trouble. 
And she said, oh, I know Johnny loves me. I know. That's all she could see. It's all that she could look at. And she lived in that one little world by herself. She had formed herself in there. What place have you formed yourself into, young people? What little world have you formed yourself into? What shell, what place of of trying to protect your emotions and protect your feelings because of all the calamities and all the troubles and all the hurts and all the broken promises and all the failures and all the things, the hopes that you had and the dreams, whatever it is, whatever's happened in your life that's brought you to this place where you've just formed yourself. She said she formed. I'm asking, who are you? This woman had formed another identity. She had formed herself in there. And I took a hold of her hand. And I said, listen to me. And the Lord showed me a vision. You see, that she knowed, I know nothing about, that something had taken place, some transaction between them. And when that was said, then that snapped her right quick. So she was formed herself into something. She'd withdrawn herself into this emotional state. She was in the stupor. She lived in this world. She lived with this reality. Johnny loves me and I love him. And this is, and it's all heartache. It's all failure. And she lost her mind. But now Brother Branham says the Holy Spirit came and discerned something. And it spoke something to her in such a way to where it, it snapped her. She stopped looking at everything else and she was looking differently. And the Holy Spirit has come and said things to you that you know only he knows. And it snapped you. It's caught your attention. You were looking at the brokenness. You were looking at the hurt. You were looking at the helplessness. You were looking at your failures. You are looking at your lust. You are looking at all these other things. But then all of a sudden it snapped you. And your mind's been snapped to these services. He said, now, while you're out of there, look to Calvary. He says it depends on what you're looking at. God just doesn't merely want to snap your minds out. But now that you've been snapped out of that mind, now look to him. If he got your attention, if he's got on your level, if he's shaking your world and he's got your attention, then look at him now. That's what he wants you to do. He doesn't want to say, well, you got my attention and leave. He says, now look at me, look at me, see my love for you, see my promise for you. He says, now while you're out of there, young people, now that you're out of the world, now that you're out of the wrong mind, now that you're out of the chaos, look to Calvary. While you're out of there, look to Calvary. Says you're going out here and you start drinking a minister's daughter, Pentecostal minister's daughter, and done things that you're doing, trying to drown that sorrow. That man is somebody that don't care a snap of their finger for you. Don't you see how the world's trying to manipulate you? People who say that they love you are abusing you with their emotionally manipulative ways, friends and whatever it might be, trying to get you to tear you down. Why? Because they want what you got and they can't have it. Because you've got something special. You've got the gold the world wants. And God's only given it to you. God wants to bring it out of you. God wants to put it on display. And the world hates it. Do you realize, Brother Brandon said, the world knows its own and knows you're not one of them? It knows you're different. Even if you haven't realized it yet, it knows. He said, I look. He said, look yonder to Calvary, girl. That's the only way back. It says we've got to get ourselves focused till whether we live or die, seek or drown, it's Calvary, Christ. And that's the thing that God wants us to come back to. 
He says, we got to get focused. Young people, quit making excuses. No more excuses. You got no excuses. There's nothing you can say. We could call a prayer line and you could go ahead and give your reason to us. And we would say, there's no excuses anymore. There's none. There's nothing you could say. No excuses. You say, well, I, I blasphemed. Okay, Paul did. Didn't he say that? I mean, are you even say, reading the same Bible? The devil's got nothing on you. And whatever you do, don't still blow off steam. But if God has spoken to your heart right now, I want to challenge you right now. Right now. If you've been snapped back to your right mind, look to Calvary. Can you do it? Can you look to Christ? There's no other way of salvation. There's no other atonement. There's no other way. It's Christ or nothing. And he says, we got to get ourselves focused to whether we live or die, sink or drown. It's Christ. And that's what God wants you to come back to. Young people, think in your heart. Young people, examine yourselves and think in your minds what God has brought you through, what God has challenged you with, everything that's happened. And I believe the Holy Spirit's come, spoken to you, and your mind, you're in your right mind. Now that you're in your right mind, it's at this moment you can say, Lord, I accept you. Lord, I receive you. Lord, I take you at your word. God bless you, sister. You can have what you desire. Is there anybody else that want to take God at his word? Say, Lord, right now, I'm going to take you at your word. My mind's been snapped back. And right now, in my right mind, I'm coming sanely. I'm coming soberly. I'm coming to you right now. Say, Lord, I'm taking you at your word. I want what you have for me. I'm coming to you now without any reservation, without any hindrance. I'm in my right mind. I'm coming to you presenting your word. You said if I repent, you said if I'm baptized, you'll give it to me. Lord, I'm repenting of my sins. Lord, I'm leaving the world behind me. Lord, I'm looking to Calvary. Come to Christ. Let's stand to our feet. Let's just stand. I want to offer prayers for you. Now, while you're out, can you look at the right thing? Can you do it, young people? With heads bowed, I just want to offer a word of prayer and turn it over to Brother Tom. But I believe the preaching of the word has brought it to a place where you're, you're in your right mind. And if not, I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to, trying to deal with your heart, trying to work within you. And I want you to. Look to him now with our heads bowed. Whatever your need is, look to him now. Will you take him at his word, young people? He's made a promise to you. It's yours. Our gracious heavenly father. Lord, as we labor in the word and under a particular anointing, it may seem unique to some, but Lord, it's your word nonetheless. And father, I believe that the preaching of the word has driven back influences, driven back demonic powers. Change the atmosphere around certain young people and put them in just the right place to see your face. And Lord, now in this divine atmosphere, in this supernatural place, Lord, that you've raised us up to. And the preaching of the word has changed their thinking from the things of the world to where they can look to you. Now, Father, with our eyes set upon you, we receive what you want to give us. Lord, we take the next step in your promise. Lord, if it's young people that need to repent and receive the Holy Ghost, they're going to do it right now. If it's young people that need to take a step further in your grace, they're going to do it right now. But right now, Lord, what we take before you and what we're fighting unbelief. 
unbelief away is we're using that desire that you put in our hearts. We're in the right mood right now, Lord. We're in the right place. The altar's been repaired. Our minds are in the right place. We're in our right mind and coming before you sanely and intelligently and soberly with your word, quoting your word. You said, you said, you said. I say, Lord, give them their desire. Lord, break the chains that bind them. Set them free from the spirits that hound them. Lord, and may their soul be loosed. And may your young people be set free to worship you. Lord, we commit them to you now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Young people, in your right mind now, just seek his face. Just seek his face while you're in your right mind. Oh, Lord, we seek you, Lord. Lord, we're coming to you in our right mind. Lord, we're not going to let the world rob us of this blessing. We're not going to let Satan rob us of this blessing. But, Lord, we're in our right minds right now. We're quoting the word to you. You said if I would come, I believe that you are and your rewarder. I believe that you've forgiven me, Lord. I'm repenting of my sins. I believe the promise is for me. Lord, I have the right mental attitude. I put myself in a position to believe that the promise is for me. And God can bring life. If you have a physical need, God can bring life. If you have a mental need, God can bring life. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God can bring life. Lord, if you've repaired the altar through these few services, Lord, let your fire fall upon these young people. Lord, seal them into your kingdom. Lord, birth them into a new life. Give them a genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, we're in our right mind now, young people. Now, while you're in your right mind, look to Christ. Look to Christ. Run to Him. Run to Him. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, meet us in our need, Lord Jesus. Help us in this need, Lord. Oh, help us, Lord. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord.